Good morning, Georgetown. Hey, um, the first place we're going to be in Scripture this morning is Luke chapter 4. And you don't have to go far from there after that. We're going to Acts. So a really simple follow along this morning. Luke chapter 4 is where we'll be uh, to begin. In this series, Discovering Ancient Ways for a Digital Age, uh, we're exploring solutions to problems uh, that we face in a modern age. We're discovering ways that ancient believers lived in faithfulness to Jesus, which is what we want to do at Georgetown Christian. We want to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. These ancient believers had, they had the same overarching, really big questions in life that you have and I have and our, our neighbors have. These ancient believers had the same questions we have. What is the purpose of life? Why am I here? How do I find meaning? Where did I come from? Where do I go? In the digital age, it's unfortunate that we're handed multiple hundreds upon hundreds of answers to those questions via tweets. Or are they X's now? Do we call it Xing? It's tweeting? Or, or maybe on Facebook, or maybe Instagram Reels, or maybe in a snap, or maybe on the news, maybe a talking head, maybe through the radio or the newspaper. But each one of us, along with our neighbors, receive hundreds of messages per day, many of which pushing us towards an answer to those big questions in life, purpose, meaning, origin, destination. The culture tells us how to discover purpose in life. Get rich, be famous, become really great looking, and then you'll find meaning. Uh, The digital age also offers a lot of scenarios for, for where did I come from and where do I go? And sometimes those answers can sound really silly if you examine it because they come down to something like you came from nothing and you're going to nothing. Or you you came from everything, this giant explosion, and you're going to just become part of everything. And that is your final and ultimate destination. Or even more recently, maybe you can just be frozen and we'll thaw you out again later when we figured it out. Our culture offers all kinds of crazy answers. Maybe the craziest. What is the meaning of life? And you might have seen our culture's response to this on a meme or a mug. And and sometimes it looks like live, say it with me if you know it, live, laugh, love. Or or maybe you've seen live your best life. Or maybe you've seen you do you. And all of these are sort of just hedonistic ideas of what we should do with our lives. Just experience pleasure. And that's really the only purpose and meaning in life. So the reason that as Christians, as believers, as the gathered people of God, the body of Christ, we we need to find ancient ways for a digital age is because eventually those neighbors, those friends, those family members that you and I all have, they're going to turn to the same place that some of us have turned for something like, uh, how do I prepare a more healthy meal? Well, it's perfectly fine to just go to Google and type that in. Or in ChatGPT, we discovered, you can say, I've got cream cheese and Rice Krispies. How do I get dinner? And it comes up with something. It, 
you can put questions like that into the Google or the, what do they call it, artificial intelligence. But when you start asking it bigger questions about the meaning, the origin, or the destination of life, we as Christians find that the ancient ways have better solutions. But it's unfortunate that our friends and family don't know the truth that we know. They don't know the ancient way. They don't know that when they, have, when they search those things, when they discuss at the water cooler with their friends, that it's totally harmless to look up a recipe. Maybe even to ask, how do I get through struggling with life with a teenager that doesn't want to listen? Or life with a family member who's argumentative. But they don't have any grounding, any foundation, any authoritative text or teaching through which to filter the answers they receive. So sometimes all they have is the lives that you and I live reflecting the ancient ways. If not a Christian who knows the truth, who will show them? Jesus says it this way, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So others is, is one reason that it is imperative that we, we grow into maturity in Christ. Now, another reason is so that, that we, may, we may grow from milk to solid food for the health of our church. By God's grace, we will grow more and more and more up into the likeness of Christ, the head of the church, and thus shine his light to our community. Remember what we read last week, the, the author of Hebrews writing to, to those believers, and he's warning them. He says, by this time you should be teachers. Say that with me. By this time you should be teachers, but we keep having to bottle feed you milk. So let's do the imagination exercise, and we did it last week, but let's do it for people that are just hopping on board the ancient ways train. Let's imagine an elementary school filled with six and seven and eight-year-old kiddos, maybe some nine-year-olds in there. We've got kindergarten through third grade, maybe fourth grade. And let's imagine those teachers doing their best to teach them how to read and then to move on to reading about history or reading about geography. But then imagine that those six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds come in and all they can do is be fed a bottle of milk. Or all they can do is continue over and over learning those numbers and letters for years. Those teachers will never actually be able to help those students excel in life. They'll never learn how to add or subtract because they're not even getting basic numbers. The result in the school and the result in the church is, is really the same, and that is that teachers have to decade after decade keep covering fundamentals and basics and ABCs and one, two, threes, and thus no one's ever growing in maturity. No believers are moving from believer to disciple. The expected path for a believer that we can see in the New Testament is to begin as a baby Christian. The starting line is right here. You, you die with Christ. You're raised to new life. That's the starting line. 
Sometimes it looks like the finish line because of the way we celebrate. And we should celebrate. We join with heaven. As Jesus said, when one sinner comes to repentance, then hundreds of righteous people who already think they're righteous. But that's the beginning. So it's evident from the New Testament that the Christian path for maturity is to begin as a believer and to grow into a disciple maker. That means that they do get fed that milk at the beginning, but then just as in life, your children grow up to marry and to have their own children. And it sometimes doesn't feel right when someone stays at home for a while. Maybe you felt that personally. I felt that living in my grandmother's basement just for one month thinking, I have got life all wrong. And we couldn't wait to get out of that basement because it felt so wrong. By God's grace, GCC will not be a bunch of bearded baby bottle holders when it comes to Judgment Day, but we'll have crowds of followers of Jesus who have died and been raised to new life and then have disciplined themselves to eat the solid food that we help them grow to eat. And thereby we'll bring more glory to God as we build up his church into the head. We will be what Jesus calls disciples. Disciples, a couple of characteristics of disciples. Disciples train themselves in righteousness. Disciples wean themselves off of milk and they move on to solid food. Disciples then help other new believers go from new believer onto maturity in Christ and becoming a disciple maker. So ancient ways are habits or practices that you, you both keep yourself and then you agree with a wider community that we call the church family or the body or the elect is what we're called so many times in Scripture. Ancient ways are habits and practices you keep with yourself and this community of faith as we pursue maturity in Christ. An unpopular word used to describe this is discipline. And I know that's difficult to hear. But the ancient ways are ways that predate the church. They predate disciples. They predate the New Testament. And I believe that we can see those things being practiced in the New Testament. But we can also see them in the Old Testament. So the ancient way for today says this. I'd like you guys to read it along with me because we're going to build on this truth next week. Uh, but for today, I want to there we go. I, I know your slides are a little slow because I had a picture, so thank you for keeping up with me. We have to be patient with our tech because there's a picture issue, and I'm going to use pictures. So I want you to read this with me. Memorizing internalizes the truth of Scripture into our lives. So we're going to say that a couple of times today, but I want to go on before we continue repeating that, and then next week we'll build on it. So <clears throat> when we reflect on the way that our biblical examples knew Scripture, it becomes increasingly clear that they either, number one, they memorized the Scripture, or number two, that they were exceedingly familiar with Scripture. I'm going to go through four examples. That's why you're in Luke chapter 4. 
Um, I'm guessing that because of the maturity of some of you in here, you could come up here and preach this very first point right alongside me. And so I don't say it to you as though it's one you don't know, but I say it to you as one that is foundational. In other words, it seems like you can't talk about this one because it's like the cornerstone of our understanding of memorizing and internalizing Scripture. And that's why we start in Luke chapter 4. Remember that memorizing Scripture, it internalizes the truth of Scripture into our lives. And it is for, it is for our good. It is for our maturing in Christ. And it's for the good of others. So we're going to see that as we go through these four examples. Luke chapter 4. If you'd like to follow along, it will be on the screen and also in your Bibles. There are Bibles under the seats in front of you if you would like to turn to Luke chapter 4. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. Georgetown, say hangry. Hangry. Now, we don't know that Jesus was hangry. I would be very hangry. I'm hangry after like a day of fasting. Jesus was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. I would have failed right there. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Now, so many of you could preach this right alongside me. And I am so blessed to be a member of a church that is mature in this way. But don't you agree this is, this is not just foundational. It's like cornerstone to our understanding of memorizing so that we can internalize the truth of Scripture in our lives. Let's go on. In verse 5, the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, to you I'll give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. Liar. Remember, Satan's a liar. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered a second time, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem, and he set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you're the son of God. Now, Jesus is the son of God, isn't he? It's true that he's the son of God. But Satan's asking him to prove it in a way that is out of time with God's plan. He says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, now Satan is quoting scripture. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. He's a clever deceiver. But Jesus, because he has memorized and internalized the truth of the word of God, he responds thusly. And Jesus answered him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. So how did Jesus answer Satan? Or from what text? You can say it with me. He answered from the scripture, from the Bible. Jesus answered from text that he, either he had you version in his pocket or he had a pocket scroll or maybe he had one of those little Gideon Bibles. Georgetown, do you think he had any of that? I think that Jesus had memorized so that he could internalize the truth of scripture in his life. 
Jesus used memorized scripture. Now, I said it blesses us personally, and it blesses others. So, briefly, it blessed Jesus in that he was able to battle and overcome temptation. Now, think about how it blessed others. Did Jesus ever sin? The answer is no. Say no. Did Jesus ever sin? The answer is no. So, we read the writer of Hebrews explaining then what happened because he lived a perfect life. So we can see that it's foundational and it's even cornerstone to our faith that Jesus never sinned because he had memorized scripture so that he could live a perfect life so that he could on our behalf enter a heavenly tabernacle to perform what only Jesus as a man and God could perform, thus establishing God's kingdom. Okay, so it benefits ourselves and others. Now we're going on to number two. How many of you thought of Acts 15 when I said we're going to memorize scripture? I want you guys to turn to Acts 15 with me. I kind of want to set the stage here in Acts 15. We want to remember that there was this controversy starting to boil over It wasn't just in the backroom conversations. It had become an out-and-out verbal battle. And the battle was was between Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey, and it was between them and, and these Pharisaical party of believers. They were believers in Jesus, but they were strongly influenced by the Pharisaical leanings. So really clinging to the letter of the law. This fight just begins to get worse and worse. And and as these new believers who are trying to move in maturity in Christ, they're trying to get off the milk, they're trying to get to the solids, this argument breaks out because some of their teachers are saying, you have to obey the law of Moses now that you're a Christian. And you can read there in Acts 15 what obeying the law of Moses means. Essentially, those Pharisaical party believers wanted the new believers to become circumcised. So because the church can't handle this boiling over in these very new churches, first missionary journey, these very new churches, they decide the best thing we can do is send Paul and Barnabas on a trip back to Jerusalem to confer with the elders. And let's let the elders decide what the best thing to do in this situation is where we believe that God has already blessed them. And the Pharisees sort of believer party wants them also to obey the law of Moses. So when Paul and Barnabas arrive in Jerusalem, everyone gathers around. Initially, all of the church, including the elders, they all gather around because Paul and Barnabas are back from a journey, and they are telling amazing stories of what God has done. But listen to these three forms of argument. Now, some of you are watching the clock, and I want to tell you I'm not going to spend four hours here. I think we're going to get done in 30 minutes. I think I'm really honest. So I just want to cover these three forms super briefly so we can get on to three and four of evidences for memorizing Scripture in the New Testament. Number one, Peter speaks. If you're there in your own Scripture in Acts chapter 15, you'll notice that in addressing this concern that Paul and Barnabas have brought, now the first person to speak is Peter. Now who's surprised? Zero people are surprised. Peter is always going to speak first. Peter is just going to speak first. And Peter speaks up and says, now I want you to remember, uh, everyone, as we consider the 
the difficulty of resolving the law with the law of grace, that we're trying to resolve this as a new church, but I want you guys to remember this. Cornelius house, a vision. I spoke to not only Jews, but also Gentiles and said to repent and believe. And you guys remember, Peter's reminding everyone gathered here in Jerusalem, specifically the elders who are going to make a decision, remember that the Holy Spirit came on those believers. So Peter's argument is from the fact that the gospel was preached to Gentiles and Jews at the same time, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. So that's Peter's form of argument. The next form of argument comes from Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas' form of argument is to say, hey, we just went on this missionary journey. We shared the gospel with all sorts of Gentiles and Jews. And as we're sharing, we see God doing miraculous signs and amazing wonders. So Paul and Barnabas' form of argument is somewhat similar to Peter's. Holy Spirit came down on these believers and dwelled them. Paul and Barnabas' argument is God is active here doing signs and wonders, and the Holy Spirit is here. Now look at the third argument we have, and this argument's from James, and I'm going to actually read it to you guys because I want you to see well, I think his third, the third argument, uh, the third form of argument, I don't think they're arguing. The third form of argument here, I think James says, the half-brother of Jesus, where, before I show you, where do you think the final argument that ends, the final form of arguing, that ends this whole issue comes from? Uh, let's see in chapter 15. Verse 15. And with this, the words of, this is James speaking, the words of the prophets agree just as it is written. After this, I will return and I'll rebuild the temple of David that has fallen. I'll rebuild its ruins and I will restore it that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and that all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old, Here's James' concluding remark. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. So where does James' argument come from? The same place that Jesus defended against temptation. It comes from Scripture. Now, I can't tell you that James had this memorized, but I'm just going to make a brief argument that it was memorized, because in the scroll that they would have had of the Old Testament would have probably been the law, and then probably would have been the wisdom writings, and then probably would have been the prophets, because that's how we discovered it most of the time, that we're finding scrolls like this, semi-intact. And so in the prophets, when you roll this scroll out and you read from right to left, you're going to have Isaiah, and that's going to be a lot of writing. You can see it in your own Bibles. And you're going to have Jeremiah, again, a lot of writing. You have Ezekiel, also tons of writing. And then you're going to have the prophets. And it's all of what we would call the minor prophets. And who does James choose to quote from? I'm telling you, if you roll this scroll out, he would have to be down here into the little nuances to find Amos. And all of these other prophets, the ones that are going to be easy to find, they all said the same thing, that the Gentiles are going to be included. You can look it up yourself. And he chose Amos. It's my belief, therefore, that James wasn't like searching through this massive scroll to find an Amos scripture. It's that he had memorized or become so familiar with it that in a time of crisis, 
because the word of God was already readily accessible, the Holy Spirit could then remind him and say, remember Amos, remember that? And thereby, people, those new Christians, now how blessed are they? They're new believers who know, don't have to follow the law of Moses. Does it bless others? Uh-huh, yeah. Thank God James memorized Amos. Or thank God James was very familiar with Amos. And it blessed the church, memorizing, internalizes the truth of Scripture into our lives. Jesus battled temptation because he memorized Scripture. It blessed him and it blessed us. James either memorized or was very familiar with Scripture. And it blessed him and it blessed the church. These next two kind of go quickly because I want to get on to application. So if you don't mind, I'm going to summarize some from Acts chapter 2. You can turn there if you'd like to see what I'm summarizing. But this is when <clears throat> the Holy Spirit comes to rest on the church. It's the, the birth of the church. It's called Pentecost. Peter preached his first sermon here. And as you examine Peter's sermon here, starting at about verse 17, you'll notice that the situation is that Peter is sort of beginning to share the truth of the Word of God in response to an argument in real time. Because they're accused, hey, these guys are drunk when the tongues of fire come to rest on their heads. Hey, these guys are drunk. And then Peter, I believe, begins to share extemporaneously from the heart in the moment some of which we can see as direct quotation, and some of which we can see as he's just very familiar with the Scripture. And that blesses the church. Because at the end of that sermon, they're all still following, and they say, what must we do to be saved? I believe Peter either memorized or was very familiar with Scripture because he quotes from or alludes to eight different sections of the Old Testament. Uh, okay, and then our fourth and final, Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, if you want to turn there, verse after verse after verse after verse, it's almost impossible to count the number of times that Stephen alludes to or summarizes or directly quotes from the Scriptures because Stephen takes all of these who are gathered in his hearing, he's right before the high priest and the council of Jerusalem, and he's testifying about God's uh, really like the history of salvation. So Stephen begins explaining to them their own scriptures. You can imagine how well this is going to go for him. He begins explaining to them from their scriptures how Jesus is the Messiah they've been waiting for and repeatedly blesses those who are hearing one man named Saul. Imagine the way that because of Stephen's either very high degree of familiarity or memorization of Scripture, because he's internalized the truth of Scripture in his life, that he's blessed. It's hard to see it as a blessing because he's stoned. That's hard to see that as a blessing, isn't it? Because our, our focus is often on what we can see. We believe this life is it sometimes. I do that. But Stephen entered the church triumphant. He joined Jesus. And at the same time, imagine the way that the church is blessed now. Saul saw the example of Stephen and then later on the road to Damascus gives his life to Christ. Okay, so those are our four examples. Jesus, 
James, Peter, Stephen, showing us that memorizing internalizes the truth of Scripture into our lives. Georgetown, I don't know the last time that you memorized something. <laughs> it's not easy if you haven't done it recently. I'm here to testify. <laughs> it is a challenging task. And maybe your, your memory, uh, maybe your memorizing journey is like the blonde who got sick of the blonde jokes at work. She was fed up. She had it up to here. So one day she went home and she began memorizing the capitals of all the states. She goes to work the next day and wouldn't you know it, one of her coworkers launches into yet another blonde joke. And she interrupts in a shrill voice and says, now wait just a minute. I went home last night and did something I bet none of you can do. I memorized all the capitals of all the states. And one of her office friends, of course, says, sure you did. What's the capital of California? She says, that's easy. C. It's like if you laugh later on this joke, people look at you to see what color your hair is. <laughs> Do I get to say that if my hair is like kind of light? <laughs> Do you believe the truth of God's word? If you do, you can probably recall because you at some point memorized Philippians 4.13. Say it with me if you know it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we say, uh, we say that because we memorized it and, and we believe that as well. So then you and I, we believe that we can memorize and thus internalize the truth of Scripture into our lives so, so maybe some examples that are from the ancient way could help us today. I would like you to turn to Psalm 119 if you're following along in your Bibles. I'll have it on the screen as well. The psalmist writes, and we're just going to use this for a framework for integrating, memorizing into our lives. Maybe you've already got a way to do it, and it works the best for you. I'll share with you my best way. But let's read through Psalm 19, 119, starting in verse... Nine, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. So the psalmist invita indicates a few methods from which I think we can take something today. A few methods by which he might have memorized or hidden God's word in his heart. Now see if any of these might help you. And maybe, like I said, you've already found your best way. I'd like you to share it with me if you don't hear it today. So number one, pray that God would help us obey his commands. Uh, to obey a command of God, we have to first remember it. If you're a parent and you've asked your kid to take out the trash, in order for them to obey, they have to remember the command. They can't do it without remembering. James says that we can't be like someone who goes to look at the Word of God and then like seeing ourselves in the mirror walks away and forgets what it says. We have to remember it. Number two, hide the word in our hearts for a purpose that I might not sin against you. The psalmist didn't memorize just to check something off a spiritual growth list. He memorized scripture for the purpose of battling 
sin. So tie your memory effort to the purpose of battling sin, blessing others, prospering, staying on the path of righteousness. Number three, praise God. Praise God to memorize his word. Now, when we're singing songs that are filled with the truth of God's word, we're, we're more likely to remember those truths. I, I learned this song as a kid, and you can sing it with me if you know. I'm going to try to get the tone right. I think I've got like exactly the right scale, because when I learned this, there was no scale. We were all screaming, and it was a disaster, but I'll tell you it was effective, because without looking at the paper... Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. If you know it, sing it with me. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. Did, did some of you guys learn that song maybe sometime like as a kid? Maybe it's a different tune. I have no idea where that tune's from. But for me, and if, I, if it's happy birthday and I just didn't recognize it, I feel crazy right now. But... I learned that as an I don't even know how many year old, and it is phenomenal the number of times that Holy Spirit has brought that to the surface of my heart when I've encountered something difficult in my life. And it's because I was taught that as a child. But number two, in a song. In a song. So I wonder if for you, like for me, the best way is in a song. In the digital age, we have access to a gajillion tools, many of which are a song. And so I, I can't say this lady's name, but it's Esther Mui. And we're going to have all these resources on our Facebook page this week. So if you're looking for some of those, follow our page on Facebook and we'll have those there. Esther Mui just produces songs that are scripture. That's it. Seeds Family Worship produces songs that are only scripture. They just sing the Psalms. They sing Scripture. Pretty easy way to memorize Scripture if you're me. I don't know about you. I can make up a song to the tune of something I know with the words of Scripture and remember it better. I'd really like to stand up here and tell you I do that a lot. But I'm preaching the sermon to me as I am to you. I need to be better at this. All right, number four. With my lips, I recount all the laws so we'll call this summarize and repeat. This is my second best. How many of you, for, for you, your second best is summarize and repeat? And some of you are like, I don't memorize. And that is honest. Thank you. <laughs> but for some of us, it's summarize and repeat. Summarize what you're memorizing. Maybe you want to rewrite it in your own words. The psalmist, though, is talking about retelling the laws of God. They're speaking them to someone else. For us, maybe we need to rewrite it. Maybe we need to voice record it into our phone to play back. Because in a digital age, we can go to the Bible app and just hit play. And we can hear those verses over and over. And maybe they'll just soak into where you memorize it. I have two apps for you. I don't encourage you to use these while you're driving. You version, you can just hit play and fo focus on the road. These are for not driving. So the first one is called the Bible Memory app the Bible memory app. And for some reason, it's ranked above the one that I like more. This is the one I like more. It's called Verses Bible. Oh, 
okay, well, this is one, and then this is another, and they'll also be on our Facebook page. And so it, the only thing that you need to know, there, you could go to your app store, and you could type in Bible memory, and, and there are apps that can help you. This one is $5 a year for like every translation. And there's a gajillion exercises you can do and see how hard it is for you to memorize something like it is for me. And the other one I have no experience with, uh, that one, no experience, but I think it was $8 for one translation. Uh, maybe it's a better one, I don't know. Uh, I can tell you in this one, they're like leaderboards, so if you're competitive, maybe that one's for you, you can win at it. All right, our last one, number five, thank God for his word as much as you thank him for your paycheck. Now, who's thankful for a paycheck? If you're still awake, your hand should be up. <laughs> okay, maybe who's thankful for a disbursement from a retirement account or a paycheck, whatever it may be in your case. Uh, I am thankful for my paycheck. I thank God that he shares with me his resources. I can care for my family and bless others and trust him with it. But how often are we thanking him for his word as much as we're thanking him for our paycheck, or as the psalmist says, riches? Memorizing internalizes the truth of scripture into our lives. And next week we'll build on this to add one more ancient way that the word of God helps us become transformed into his likeness. Because we want to avoid becoming bearded baby bottle clinchers who are also Bible thumpers. How horrible would that be if we had all the knowledge in the world and we still are sucking on that little baby bottle while we're growing a beard and we should be mature with followers, with disciples who are discipling, but now we're puffed up with knowledge and we're still clinging to a baby bottle. Next week, we discover an ancient way for the digital age that enables us to become transformed increasingly into the likeness of Jesus. If you would bow your heads, I'm going to pray for us. Uh, remember to follow us on Facebook for some of these resources this week. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for the gift of your word. I thank you that it is inspired by you that these writers were carried along by your Holy Spirit as they wrote these words, these authoritative words that we might have to guide our lives, that Holy Spirit, as he indwells us, can guide us into this truth that maybe we've tucked away into our hearts and that maybe this week we'll work on tucking away in our hearts, that we might internalize the truth of the words of your scripture that we might do that for our benefit, for the health of your church, and for the benefit of others. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.